0: Ruth chapter 4, also remember, keep praying for those who are sick and out right now, I know the Bopes are there, Martha down with COVID, and Barbara down with Shingles, and we have others who are traveling, be thinking of, of course, Juna, her brother did uh, go to be with the Lord, and that was, that was was that less than a week after you all led him to the Lord, brother, is that right? Less than a week after he made his profession of faith, he went to be with the Lord. So we're certainly rejoicing in the timing and your all's faithfulness and witnessing to your family. And June is there right now. She got in safe and sound, I presume. Is that right? All right, quarantine for five days. So be praying for her right now. And uh, others who are traveling, the Jensen's went down for Timothy's wedding. Um, And of course, be praying for the Bynums. Ruth, chapter number four. And we are thankful for our visitors, too. We appreciate you coming. I'm glad that you're here. We do hope our services have help to you. And another one from the radio. I've been mean, thinking about the radio. we got another offer. I don't think I'm going to pursue this one. But we're somewhere between 2 to 3 million total in the listening audience of, of the stations that we currently have right now. It really is something else. And the new one was another area of about a million people. Um, anyhow, Ruth chapter 4. Then went Boaz up to the gate... And sat him down there, and behold, the kinsmen, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake, came by. Uh, let me start this again. They went Boaz up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, "Ho, oh, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men, of, ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which our brother Alemeleks, which was our brother alamelech And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. That's not what Boaz wanted to hear. Then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning uh, changing, for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsmen said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Chilion's and Malone's, of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malone, have I purchased to be my wife, <clears throat> to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren, or from the gate of, this, of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were, that were in the gate, and the elder said, We are witnesses. The Lord make this woman that is coming into the house like Rachel and like Leah, which uh, which two, uh, excuse me, which two did build the house of Israel? And do thou worthy, worthily, in Ephraim, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let the house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, and of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Bo- Boaz took Ruth; she was his wife. When he went unto her, the Lord gave her conception. And she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Notice it changes. Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine own age, for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child, and laid it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. And he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Of Perez, begot, uh, Perez and Perez begot uh, Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aninadab, and Aninadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salome, and Salome begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word, and Lord, we ask your blessing now upon this time. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified and honored. Lord, please control what I say and how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word. Lord, give us understanding today, and may it help us. May it draw us closer to you. Lord, meet the needs that are here. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, repented, and placed their faith in Christ, Lord, I pray for that even this morning, that you would work. Lord, please work. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name, Lord. Amen. Again, this has been just an incredible book. Um, I'm even sad we're coming to the last sermon. I almost thought about trying to divide this up in a couple more, more sermons just to make it last. I've enjoyed this amazing love story. Again, the only book in the Bible named after a woman. The entire book of the focus, basically, of the entire book is the focus of two widows. We start off by meeting Naomi. Naomi whose life in the, in the second sermon I preached in here, we saw does not go as planned. Her life at one point had such promise, she gets married, it's exciting, they're in Bethlehem, but it turns tragic. The famine hits, this is during the time of the judges, it's a, a difficult time in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so they have to leave Israel, they head into Moab, and while there, her husband dies. She had two boys. Uh, they marry. But both of them died. They went childless. Neither of them, neither of their wives, bore the the two sons any children. So there's no heirs left to the name of Elimelech. It's just tragedy upon tragedy, heartache upon heartache on Naomi's life. And so she decides to return to Israel. By this time, no bitterness was beginning to set in. We saw how she had a wrong view of God because of all the struggles she was facing. She actually believed God was against her. That God was responsible for this. She was, trouble seeing the, she was having trouble seeing the goodness of God. And she returned back to Bethlehem. And of course, when the women saw her, they all said, is that Naomi? I mean, you could see the rough life and everything that she had gone through. And of course, Ruth had made the decision. I can't forget that. Her daughter-in-law. She had two daughters-in-law. And the one made the decision to, to return and just stay in Moab. And Ruth said, no, no, I am going with you. Your people shall be my people. Thy God shall be my God. I'm not leaving you. Think, Ruth left her family, her mom and dad, the life she knew, the land she knew. It was an incredible decision she made. No doubt hearing (coughs) of the story of Jehovah God, knowing this was truth, this is what I want. And so she leaves and she travels with Naomi. Again, when the women see her, they, they, they question, is this actually Naomi? She says, don't even call me that. That means pleasant. Call me Mara. Bitter. And then Ruth gets to work right away. Ruth heads out into the field, and she just happens to hit the field of a man named Boaz. She has no idea who this man is. She just gets into town. It was all of God. And, and, and we, again, we see God's providence at work In this story, an incredible story of redemption. It's even amazing as we did get into chapter 2 and how they meet and how God organizes the providential meeting of of Ruth and Boaz. It's all of the Lord. I mean, just like Adam and Eve. When Adam woke up from his deep sleep, when God created Eve, he just didn't have Eve sitting there. No, she, she she wasn't present yet. He wakes up, he gets over his little grogginess, and whatever, however God knocked him out. And then all of a sudden, once he's awake, God presents Eve to Adam. God wanted to see his reaction. Same thing here. Here was Ruth. She'd been working in the field already. And she had a request of the foreman, of the workers that were there. Remember, she's in a tough spot. Gleaners, she was gleaning in the field as one of the poor people. They usually got enough food, barely enough for themselves, but she is trying to get enough food for two people right now herself and Naomi. And so she had made a request of the foreman, but he couldn't answer it. So, uh, so Boaz comes in, but when you read the account in chapter 2, it's just amazing how the Lord puts it together. She's standing somewhere nearby. And Boaz catches her eye. I have no doubt their eye's locked. And Boaz says to his work, um, Hey, fellas? Who's that? Who is that right there? Oh, that's Ruth. And, of course, he already heard about her. The decision she made to leave Moab. And immediately, as he could, he showed love unto her. This wasn't manipulative. He had no idea this woman would marry her. Remember, we know once, once he realizes later on in chapter 3 that Ruth would marry him. He is stunned. Me? Remember, he's, he's, he's a good bit older than her, actually. And so they meet, God, God sets up this divine and he starts showing love. I mean, he not only granted her request, he gave her so much more. And, and Ruth noticed, this, this guy's really taking notice of me. Has her in for lunch at his table. Gives her so much food at that table. And he instructs his workers. She's now allowed to go among the ladies when she's gleaning. Right up where they're doing the bundles. And he instructs them. When you see her, you make sure to drop some stalks. You drop some handfuls of purpose. I mean, you look right at her and drop it so she can get it. Because that was the rules. What dropped, they could take. What they dropped, the workers were not allowed again to go get and put it back into the bundle. That wasn't how it What dropped, the Lord organized, that was for the poor. So he instructs him, you make sure to drop plenty. So anyhow, she returns home as we get there. It's just so exciting. Naomi has Ruth coming home and she realizes all that she has. She just doesn't have enough for one day's food, which that's all she should have came home with. She has enough for more than a month. And Naomi and says, uh, who took notice of you? Who took knowledge of you? What happened? Where were you? And here's this, this woman who had that bitterness. She never told Ruth to go glean in the field. Ruth did it on her own. She says, well, the man's name is Boaz. And the bitterness drops off of her just like that. It's gone. Why? She remembered the goodness of God. She knew immediately. She could see it clearly. She didn't turn from it. She didn't want to stalk in her bitterness. She didn't want to stay in that condition. As soon as she saw the goodness of God, she realized, Boaz, you happen to go in the field of Boaz? He's a kinsman. He can redeem us. He's in a position to marry you. She saw God's hand in it all. And because the bitterness she let drop off, she got to work. She said, This is what we're going to do. That brings us into chapter 3. She says, They're going to be at the threshing floor. They're bringing all the crops, and they're going to be at the threshing floor. The workers are going to be there all night. You're going to go to the threshing floor. And you're going to let your intentions be made known unto Boaz. I think it's very likely that Naomi knew that Boaz might be clueless that this young woman uh, would be interested in marriage. So basically, she sends Ruth to go and propose to Boaz. So she goes. She follows Ruth's instructions about how to go about this, to do this right. Boaz is asleep by the threshing floor. She goes in. She uncovers his feet on purpose because that's going to wake him up. And she sleeps down there by the end of his feet. And sure enough, Bobby, as we know, it tells us, basically about midnight. He gets cold, he wakes up, and he, he freaks out a little bit. Ooh, there's a woman <laughs> sleeping at the end of his feet. And then he realizes it's Ruth. And she uses a common custom of the day to throw his robe, his garment, over her. It was an act of proposal of marriage. It was an act of engagement. And he says, oh, I want to, but I can't yet. There's a nearer kinsman. It's his right, and I love the integrity of Boaz. There's no doubt by actions, not by words, and that's how love is always shown by actions. He loves this woman, and he says, "No, I have to. I have to do this right. I have to maintain my integrity." I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to manipulate this. There's a nearer kinsman, and he tells her, if, "If if he wants to redeem you, then let him. That's still a good action. It's his right. Nobody knows God's in control. God has that guy there for a reason. I'm not going to try and go against what God's set in order." Do you know what guides him throughout? I'll probably get this a little bit later in the message. But his integrity guides him throughout. Just like what Proverbs tells us. What, a, what, makes, what, what he uses to make decisions in life isn't his emotions. It isn't his own selfishness. It's integrity. That's what guides him. And he says, listen, if, if, if he's going to redeem you, then you'll let him. If not, I will, I will marry you. And so then he sends her home basically with a bride price. (laughs) He sends her home loaded early that morning. Early that morning, he sends her out and takes her a garment that went around like a little shawl, and he just packs that thing full. And she heads back, and Naomi says, All right, who are you? Wanting to know. All right, did he agree to marry you? Remember, Remember, engagements in Israel were serious business at that time. And she says, No, not yet. There's a closer kinsman. And then Naomi tells her, listen, you just need to sit down. That guy is not going to take long. He's not going to wait long. for You just have to wait now. There's many times we have to wait on the Lord. You just have to wait for Him to do what He's going to do. That's what you do. And she knew when it was time for that, when it was time for her to work, she knew to work. When it was time for her to wait, she knew to wait. And she waited. And we left off in chapter 3, with Ruth waiting, what's going to happen? That brings us to chapter 4 of this amazing book. So let's finish up. I'm going to break this down into three things, the requirement, the redemption, and restored. First off, let's get into the first point, which is the main point, the requirement or the meeting, this is the negotiation that takes place here in chapter 4. Uh, let's start off here with the first couple of verses. Then went Boaz, went up, this covers 12 verses, I'm not going to read all 12 again right now. I'm going to read the first couple and we'll take it in sections here. It says, then went Boaz up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit ye down here they sat down and he said unto the kinsman Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech and I thought to advertise thee, saying buy it before the inhabitants before the elders of my people if thou will redeem it redeem it but if thou will not redeem it then tell me that I may know it for there is none to redeem it beside thee and I am after thee and he said this is, this is the near kinsman. I will redeem it let's go over this section So we have this meeting taking place at the gate. This is the negotiation to settle um, the redemption of Elimelech and and, and the widows that are involved. Boaz heads to the gate immediately for a couple of reasons. This is still that morning. This is still the same morning. He has just sent Ruth back to the house. He heads right to the gate. The gate is going, to be the very, is going to be the best place that he can locate this man, the closer kinsman. Everyone has to pass. This is Bethlehem. This is a small town. The gate was the area of commerce, uh, of socializing. In, in a small town like this, your, your streets would be very narrow. And, and the open court area would be at the gate. This is where legal matters would be handled. I, again, business would be done here. So he heads right there. Uh, to try and find the nearer kinsmen. So this is going to knock out, this is going to accomplish several things for him. It's why he can do this speedily, he can act on it quickly. And, uh, um, and so we, anyhow, we see this taking place. So, as we come into this, we see God's providence once again at work. Basically, uh, based on the wording like the behold that's here, he gets there to the gate, he sits down, and immediately... Guess who comes up? Here's the nearer kinsman. God's at work. God's providential hand is once again guiding. He sees him. He, I, I like how he addresses him. Ho, oh, such a one. <laughs> hey, Frank, come on over here for a second. We've got something to discuss. <laughs> and we're going to see here, he uses wisdom in this negotiation. He does. He uses wisdom. He's truthful. He uses integrity. And he uses wisdom. He tells him, come down, come aside here, come sit down by me. And immediately the man does. By the way, we never get his name. I have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but this this is one reason that I think it's a possibility the Lord does not allow his name in Scripture. We're going to see later on as we read, he agrees to redeem, then he changes his mind. And we'll see why he changes his mind. This was a man who I think was more worried about his name than actually being a help. I think because he was more worried about his own name, the Lord said, you know what, I'm not even putting your name in Scripture. Too often we can concentrate on our own name more than what really matters in life. Life is not about us. Don't make things about your name. Make it about God. And so, we don't have his name. I don't know if that's why the Bible doesn't tell us, but when we get to the reason why he changes his mind, I, I, I think that leads to at least a possibility. Boaz then gets ten elders of the, uh, 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 of the city of Bethlehem and tells them to sit down. Now notice, they all sit down pretty quick. Boaz is clearly a man of influence in this town. They don't hesitate. He gets them and they sit down. Now, let's understand the legal process of what's taking place here and why he got ten elders. Um, this is more of a because of what's being dealt with with redemption, we can go back to the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus for this. Um, this, is, this is more administrative what he is doing. This is not a judicial act, actually. This is not a civil case. This is not a criminal case. Um, the elders are not going to be adjudicating this. They're there for one purpose and one purpose only, to witness it. They don't decide anything here. They just serve as witnesses. When it came to family law, basically family settled it. But there is legalities involved because it does deal with redemption. So you need the witnesses to take place in case a dispute does come up where they can say, no, we were there. We know it took place. And this man or this man, they have the right to it. In case a civil case comes up, you need these witnesses. And he gets plenty of them. Um, So Boaz does the right thing. He approaches the kinsmen first. Once he sits down, he gets the elders. He he needs them as witnesses. And then once everybody is in place, the negotiations begin. And he uses skill. First, he brings up just the land. He says, Naomi that has come out of the country of Moab sells a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise, he's saying, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. He knows this is about redemption. The guy knows he's a kinsman of Naomi. He knows what Boaz is asking. He understands what's at stake here. He says, "But if thou will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee." And here's his response, and he said, "I will redeem it." So Boaz presents first just the land uh, that belonged to Elimelech, and the man can see this as an opportunity. He's going to get an asset right now. He's he's going to get some land. He's going to get a nice field out of this, at the very least. And 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 not only does not only does he able to get this land, but at the same time he's going to look like a pretty good guy, and fulfilling the responsibility of being a kinsman redeemer. So it's almost a double win situation for him. He's going to have an asset that's going to be his, all right. And he looks like a good guy. So he says, "I'll do it. I, I, I'm going to go ahead. I, I'm going to go ahead and redeem it." And really, this isn't what anyone wants to hear. When you read this in the book of Ruth, if, if you're reading the book of Ruth just in one setting, you get to that part, you're just like, that's not what I wanted to hear. That's not what I wanted to hear. It's not what Boaz wanted to hear. But Boaz knew the likelihood of that. He's prepared for it. All right, He knew the likelihood of that. But I want to ask this question before we go. I want to try and make a point right here. Why are we disappointed when we hear the nearer kinsman say, I will redeem it? Think about it for a second. There's a lot that goes with that. I mean, if if he would do it, it's a good thing. We're, 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 it's not like we're disappointed at something that's a bad thing. It's it's his responsibility, and yet when you when you when we're reading the story, we come across all that's taking place, and we hear this man who's a near kinsman say, "I will redeem it." We're like, no, don't. Why? Because it would be hollow. Because romance would capitulate to law. Love would be giving way to law. None of us want that. We want the love that's behind the story. God is what? Love. The fact that that bothers us, that he's willing to do that, in itself speaks of a creator. The fact that that would bother us. Because we want the love behind, not just the law, not just the regulation. We want the romance that's there. God is love, and we were made in his image. It's why when we see that, we're like... Just like our redemption. It's not about law and regulation. It's about love. It's about God Almighty and His grace who chose to love us. Because He is our Redeemer. He is the one that took notice of us. He is the one that saw our need. He's the one that saw our Christ. He, he is the one that saw the desperation that we were in. And he chose, chose a method of love and grace in order to redeem us. Now, before the man can turn and ratify this, all he has to say is, only thing that guy has to do right now, once he said that, is look at the witnesses and proclaim it again. I will redeem it, and it's done. Now, before he can do that, though, Boaz interjects. He says, well, hold on a second. There's a little more to this deal. So you know. If you agree to this, there's more responsibility with it. So Boaz says, then said Boaz, All right, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, wait a second here. This changes everything. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. So the man has a change of mind. And Boaz says, listen, if you're going to redeem the land, you also have to marry Ruth and raise up an heir. In other words, the land is not going to be his. The land is going to be this heir's. You're raising up a child in the name of a Lemelech. He represents him. It it represents the perpetuity of a family name. So you're going to raise this kid. You're going to marry Ruth. You're going to take care of them. But all this land that you're going to get doesn't belong to you. It's not your asset. It goes to the boy. It's his. He no longer has an advantageous reason. Now, not only does he have to put out a, 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 a really good sum of money for this to take place... But in the end, he, he is just he's taking care of Ruth now, he's taking care of the boy, he's taking care of Naomi. He's, the land's never gonna be his. It's gonna go to the air. And all of a sudden he has a change of mind. Wait, let me back up. This is what Boaz was hoping for. This has changed everything. He liked it when he looked like the good guy, but all of a sudden when responsibility hit, that was not advantageous, he backs out. Says I can't do it. I can't do it. Then he says, Boaz, you redeem it. You get my right. <laughs> you think he's a little excited when he said that? <laughs> Boaz can now redeem Ruth. He can marry her. And so they go through a common custom, the removal of the shoe. Verse 7 and 8. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. So he takes off his shoe. It's symbolic. It's a symbolic meaning at this time. They're moving the shoe. I am giving up my right. This is what this should have been my place, my steps. But I'm giving this to you. You now have it. And all the witnesses we, we do the same thing. We use symbolic gestures. Don't think that's odd. We do it all the time. When you got married, you used a wedding ring. It was symbolic. That you took this ring and put it on there of an unending love. We do it with baptism. Baptism is symbolic. Water That water doesn't wash away any sin whatsoever. It is picturing your faith. A death, burial, and a resurrection. And then once Boaz hears this, we have the last words of Boaz. He finalizes the deal. Boaz said in verse 9, unto the elders and unto all the people, are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilean's and Mahon, I can't say it, Malones, and of the, hand, of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malone, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren. And from the gate of this place, ye are witnesses this day. He finalizes it. By this time, when you look at the reading here, I want you to notice something here. Boaz said, unto the elders and unto who? The people. A crowd has gathered. It's no longer just the twelve that are sitting there. A crowd has come around witnessing the event. He says to everybody, the elders that are there, the people that have gathered, you are witnesses. Boaz announces, I will redeem it. I'll do this. I, I, I'm going I'm to pay for the land. I'm going to marry Ruth. I'm going to raise up an heir in Elimelech's name. That his name be not cut off. So Boaz buys everything that belonged to Elimelech and his sons. And then the witnesses' response. I love their response. Here's what the people say. <clears throat> in all, verse 11, excuse me. And all the people that were in the gate, and the elders said, we are witnesses. Now, at that point, the legal matter is done. It's over with. It's redeemed. The Lord, now look, look what they say. Isn't this incredible? The Lord make this woman, speaking of Ruth, that is coming to thine house like Rachel, like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in in Ephrata, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. The witnesses, they say, the, the people there say, yes, we are witnesses. It's done. And then they give this blessing in the form of a prayer welcoming Ruth. They compare her to Rachel and Leah, basically, not basically, the mothers of the nation of Israel. Incredible. Here's Ruth the Moabitess. You can see how she's being welcomed in. Ruth is now a full member of the community. And then the interesting, also, they prayed for Boaz's house to be like that of Perez, the son of, uh, the son of Judah, uh, and and by and that in and, and of perez that 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 line that tribe had some prominence at this point in time in Israel, obviously, but it is interesting the comparisons his mother, of course, was tamar was of twins and and we know the story how she had uh, tricked Judah playing a prostitute. This action led to her getting pregnant with twins, and Perez was the firstborn, but she was a foreigner. Her actions help perpetuate the continuation of a family line. I mean, it really is incredible. And then we have the redemption. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. Notice when it comes to it, it doesn't bring up the land. All that's included, but for Boaz, what this was about was Ruth. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And he went unto her, went in unto her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. Let's stop there. So the redemption takes place. You can just imagine, by the way, this morning. And again, I don't think they had to wait long. But Ruth and Naomi are waiting at the house. They're waiting. They know Boaz is not, he, he's, 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 he's going to take care of this immediately. Naomi's already said that. I, I know he's, this man's going to be impatient about this. He's going to want to get this settled. And we can see the Lord blessed immediately. And you can just see them waiting at the house. I think Naomi is pacing, looking out the window. And here comes Boaz. And he's smiling. (laughs) You can just see it. You can just see her name. He's coming. It's done. We're redeemed. What a beautiful scene. He takes Ruth to be his wife. An amazing story of redemption. Boaz was willing to pay the great price, take on all the responsibility, not because of a sense of duty, but because of love. He really didn't care about the property. He wanted Ruth. He wanted to make sure Naomi was taken care of. Just like Christ. He loved us and He chose to redeem us. Listen, we were separated from Christ Due to death. Sin came in and caused death, a separation from God. Something had to take place to restore that relationship. What we needed was the same illustration that the Lord is giving us here. We needed a kinsman redeemer, one like us. A kinsman. What the Bible refers to Christ when God decided to become a man. Why did he do that? To become a kinsman. To become the second Adam. To be able to redeem us. But there was a price that had to be paid. And it was not with silver and gold received from tradition, from your vain conversation, but with the precious blood of Christ. He understood that in order for him to redeem us, he himself would have to go through a death. He would have to be judged for our sin. And yet because he loved us, he didn't mind paying the price. He didn't mind putting us in in a position where He could redeem us. By the way, that takes salvation completely out of your hands. It's not based on what you do. It's based on our redemption. The price that was paid. Was it paid or not? That's the question. Oh, it was in full. Through His own blood. He put Himself in a place... Well, how how did He do that? What He did was... In order to redeem us, He had to satisfy justice and holiness. That's what had to be met by the requirements of the law. And so He lived a perfect life, and then He went to the cross as a man, and He took our place in judgment. And that action, the Creator Himself determined, that is enough for redemption to take place. That is enough to restore the relationship. That will work. He became our redeemer. He purchased us with his own blood. Now we come to 14 through 17. And the woman said, now notice, she just she has just given birth, by the way, as we're going to see here, uh, to Obed. He's not even named yet. And no. Now, Boaz and Ruth are basically out of the picture now. It goes back to who we started with in chapter 1, Naomi. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which has not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine own age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee? which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And uh, and, And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David." to think all that God did here. We have the attention returning to Naomi. Again, we start off in chapter 1, dealing with Naomi. She has been, her and Ruth both, but she's been a primary theme of this book, has been Naomi. We have something incredibly special that takes place here, that is out of the ordinary, even for what's happening in the means of redemption for uh, Elimelech uh, passing away and his sons we are seeing once again an amazing devotion, an example that Ruth has of love towards Naomi. Right after the birth of the child, the women take the baby. And this is, by the way, as they said, and contextually here by the wording, this is Ruth telling them, take the baby. This was her act of love. Take the baby. Bring it to Naomi. And the women get the baby and they bring it to Naomi. The baby is presented to her as her son that Ruth gave. Incredible. Here is the son to replace the ones you lost. Here is the heir of all that your husband had. He's yours. This child now, based on the act of love and devotion of Ruth, now basically has two mothers. Two mothers. She's just not in the role of grandmother right now. She's in the role of also a mother. Ruth and Naomi, both serving as mother to this child. Ruth wanting to show this act of love towards her. All the women, they see what's taking place and they give credit for all that God has done. they remains amazed at how God has worked. And the woman said, said it to him, blessed be, the, blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman. They're amazed at at how how God has worked. They remember it was just ten months ago when she showed up in town. Listen, the truth is when God does act in your life, others notice it. Many times God does those things so that others will notice it so they'll look back and say, wow, that's what they're doing here. They, They realize, look what God has done. They knew what this child would do for Naomi. They said, this child would be a restorer of thy life. Now, I believe that process actually began, uh, no doubt we see it scripturally here, the moment she saw God's goodness and God working. boom. The moment she heard that Ruth had gleaned in the field of Boaz and he took notice of her. Life was beginning to be restored. But can, but, and what they're saying here is so true. They knew what this baby would do For Naomi, a restorer of thy life. She's going to be such an integral part of this child's life, watching him grow up. You know, they would have, just like we all have in our little family text things, if they had that back then. She'd be sending pictures all the time. Look what he did now. Look at him drooling, he's drooling. Look at his diapers falling. it would be a restorer of her life. She sees, you know, a way to glorify God through what God has given her. It would give her purpose. She's going to have this child to love and to take care of, to watch grow up. The Lord can use it as a source of joy in her life. They also bring out another benefit for Naomi with the child. He will also be a nourisher for her in her old age. In other words, the same child that she's providing for now will one day take care of her when she needs it. And then we have the Bible giving us such a beautiful picture, a tender, amazing moment to see Naomi snuggling with the baby. I mean, think, think of all that's happened to her, all that she's come through in her life. And here she is holding this beautiful child. But God isn't done yet. I mean, think how amazing God is. He is going to use this child to have an influence, in, 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 not only in the nation of Israel, but even for us. He's going to be in the lineage of the Messiah himself. And he's going to have a son named Jesse. Jesse. And Jesse's going to have a son named David. I mean, Think what God is doing here. So let's try and put this together and see, see something that we learn about God here. It really is inc- incredible in his sovereignty. This story is dealing with God's care, his compassion for two widows in a small town. Not only is just going to meet their need, but how, what he's going to do with them in, in, in world history is incredible. The privilege that he's going to put upon them. Two widows in a small town. One whose husband really made a poor decision to head out of Israel. But God chose to use it. God works in His sovereignty, His providence on their behalf. He helps them. He meets their needs. He heard their cries. He saw their tears. He saw their pain. He knew what Naomi was going through. You never see see God say to Naomi when when her perspective was being changed of believing God was against her. This was of God, not just the wicked world that we live in that is sin-cursed. He never said, fine, I'm done with you. That's what you think, so be it. No. He was already working on her behalf. He knew all those nights she lay in that bed crying. He saw that. He was there in heaven witnessing as Ruth said to Naomi, I'm going to leave my land, my mom and dad. I'm going to leave what I know here. I'm staying with you. Your God shall be my God. He cared for these widows from a small town. Think about this. Although the nation of Israel is at a time where they're going through these cycles of rebellion against God, and because God sends chastisement, they finally repent. And then once they forget about the chastisement, they go right back in the same direction. And here's God behind the scenes, when every man doing that which is right in his own eyes, still showing love and grace with two widows from a small town. Putting together a plan in these events that would bless the entire nation as well as every single person that would come to know Christ. Using it as an example of how God would save the world by faith. Listen, in other words, here's a really good lesson we can learn from the entire book. Don't ever think God doesn't notice you, He does. He does. We have no idea how God in His sovereignty and in His providence and in His grace will work in your life. You have no understanding right now what He's even doing right now that you don't even know. When I was thinking on this, man did it hit. Um, it would have been on, on Friday. And just thinking back in how I grew up. I think back before when I was really small in the home. Again, my dad a rock and roll DJ in Cleveland, Ohio. Wicked home. There is no church, and we go to Catholic church a few times, a, a, a few times a year. But just, just nothing of God. Parents divorce. Mom without a without a high school diploma. We went in, in, into some apartments, working a couple of jobs initially. So we would come home from school. She usually was not home. We'd have keys around her neck. And so that we wouldn't lose them on a chain. And and, and come home. And all my friends, none of them, none of them were, there's none of them that were godly in my life whatsoever at all. In other words, had you saw me back then, you never would have pictured this today. But God was already working. You know when he was working a lot? Would be those, those summer nights of laying down on the grass. I believe that's when it all began. Looking up at all those bazillion stars and just stay there, wanting to know God. Amazed. I remember, I remember even the fear setting in because you would feel, if you've ever done that, you, at least me, you feel so small. I mean, you realize how huge. The universe isn't. And we're just getting a tiny glimpse of our small galaxy. And you know what? God saw that. And he already started working. My mom would have to move closer to some family. And made that decision to, I don't, being young, I don't know all the decisions. I was about 12 when that decision was made. It wasn't far, just, just 20 miles or so was the move. Not, not even that, probably seven, eight miles. But that, that was where her siblings were. That was where my grandmother was, her mom. And we moved there. And wouldn't you know it, where we're living is right around the corner from my uncle. My, two, my, my three cousins, two of whom were my age, who we became best friends. Wouldn't you know it, they went to church. And I started going. And hearing. I remember I remember the first Sunday. Seeing everybody with Bibles, thinking, Wow, they bring Bibles to church here. And hearing Pastor John Norris preach. Little did I know it at the time. He was a brand new Tennessee temple grad in his first pastorate. Just married. And hearing the gospel. And wanting to go back after that. I wanted to go back. And and I remember, you know, as the months went by, God working on me greatly about this thing, this salvation, to the point on June 30th of 1982, I, I couldn't leave. This. The service had closed out. The invitation was, was over with. I did not go for it. I wanted to, holding on to that pew. And there's things that I didn't quite understand, I want to be honest. I want you to think about this. No one of the things that was a hindrance a little bit, I'm not being mean to them. I love them to death but I never saw where it made a difference in my cousin's life. I didn't. They went to church, but they just went to church. And then I told my cousin, he was next to me that day, the service just ended, we said the amen, we were just heading out of the pew, and I told my cousin, Dave was next to me, I said, I can't leave, I have to go talk to the pastor. And before he could leave the pulpit area, I went up there and asked him to talk with me, he sat me down in the front pew, and then he went through it. I remember when it clicked, what it meant that Christ died for me. And the tears just started streaming. I got it. I understood. I, I, I've been taught all my life, Christ died on the cross for our sins, but I never understood what that meant. His substitutionary death. Now, I didn't understand that word right then. I did not. But that, that was the concept, though, that I got. What it meant when he died for me. He took my place. And once he saw the tears, he basically stopped. I think he said just a few more things I don't really remember. And he said, would you like to put your faith in Christ? Yes, I would. Little did I know, he was already working. Not just with that. That that, that, that same boy that was there growing up in that house would be in New Guinea as a missionary. We'll be back here at pastoring one of the greatest churches in this nation. He's working. You know what? It's not those big names. That's not it. It's the two widows. It's the bus kid that nobody's thinking about. And you think about that. You can think, and I'm not being mean, please, please don't think that. It breaks my heart to think about this, and, and that's true. I'll, I'll, I'll probably talk a little bit more about this tonight. But we have the sons of some of the biggest names in our ministry, in, in our circles right now. Going a whole other direction. It's not necessarily those big names that God's working through. It's the widows. It's the Warrens. For those of you who remember him. Don't think for a second that God doesn't notice you. He does. And he is working. With heads bowed and eyes closed.